This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero, and so glad you joined us here on the Michigan Business Network. I just love it when the show has a variety of friends that have been with us before and have so much to offer that we invite them back. And we've done that on a few occasions with this young lady who I think does a great job for us. Her name is Karen Hurt. She is the CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. Karen, it's good to touch bases with you again. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for calling me a young lady. <laughs> well, hey, I never affix any number to age. It's all about attitude as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, years ago, somebody said the secret is to die young, as old as you can, and that's what I'm living by right now. So right. I just love it. Well, Karen, you know, you have so much to offer. You have books you've written, speeches you give, and leadership seminars that you provide for us. Your home base is in Maryland, so it's unusual for us to track that here on the Michigan Business Network. But what we do is we like to find leadership stories. And the other day, I subscribed to some of your media elements that you put out there. And you had something that I thought, oh, there she goes. Karen is at it again with some great stuff and great content. It, the headline on the one that I saw was Small Acts of Courage, Build Confidence, Trust, and Connection. And Karen, before we jump into that background, why don't we talk about your quick credentials of your organization and why you have the authority to talk on things like that? Because I certainly think you do and you offer a lot. So tell us about the quick rendition of your world. Yeah, so I run a company with my husband. It's called Let's Grow Leaders, and we are a international leadership development firm focused on very practical tools for human-centered leaders. We've done that to run Let's Grow Leaders for nine years, which has gone fast. But before that, I was a Verizon executive for 20 years. Well, so I spent the first decade in human resources, leadership development, and then I moved into leading large teams. So I led a 2200 person sales team and 10,000 person customer service organization. So the reason I share all that is anything that we teach, write about, talk about, it's not just theory. It is lived experiences, mm, right. things we've learned along the hard way. <laughs> and sometimes we got the bruises to show, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's so fun about talking to leaders that have been there and done that. They didn't collect all of their wisdom from a book. They truly have read the books and then applied the books and then took the lumps from the books as people threw them back at you in real life situations. So I just love the fact, Karen, you're going to take some time to be with us today. And I don't want to publicly say thank you so much for that. But Karen, you know, one of the things that we talk about in this article that you wrote is trying to understand what managerial courage is. What does that look like to you? You know, it's interesting. So, you know, our latest book is called Courageous Cultures and how to build teams of micro innovators, problem solvers and customer advocates. And, you know, Dr. Amy Edmondson of Harvard, who wrote the Fearless Organization, wrote the foreword to the book. And she talks, you know, at the beginning about just psychological safety and, you know, how you really need to be creating this environment of psychological safety in order to help people speak up. And what we do is also talk about the other side of it is how do you equip people or equip yourself with the managerial courage to speak up, to share your ideas, to address performance issues, right? To be able to take these little micro risks that aren't actually necessarily that risky, but people hold back. And, you know, in our Courageous Cultures research, which we partnered with the University of North Colorado on, we found that their people are holding back important ideas. Mm -hmm. They are holding back, right? And, you know, 40% said they lacked the confidence to share their ideas. You know, 50% said nothing will ever happen if they share their ideas. 
So we got to tackle these issues from both sides, right? Organization leaders need to be creating an environment where people can have courage. And we also need to help every individual tap into their own strengths and have the courage to do what matters and will make a difference for them, for their careers, and for their customers. Well, what you said there is so powerful and so important to me. I have to 1,000% agree with you on the whole notion of trying to get the best thinking from all of your people in the room. And I know that every once in a while, while I'm leading an element, I had at one time a fairly good-sized title, and people would sometimes just not say what's on their mind. And I felt it was really important to create this feeling of an open environment where you could say whatever and not have it held against you. And I think that's a bit of a management gift, if you will, of how do we get people to feel that way? Because speaking truth to power is definitely a challenge in a lot of organizations. So how do you create that moment where people feel comfortable? Yeah, well, in our Creators Cultures book, we talk about seven steps. But, you know, I think it starts with you navigating your own narrative with speaking up. And, you know, if you are holding back ideas and, or you're not advocating for your team, your team is watching you yep. and you're saying, yeah, I want you to, it's safe to speak up. But they're like, yeah, yeah, but you're not. Right. So that's the first place. And then it's really creating clarity that you really do want people's ideas and helping people understand where you need ideas, that where are you headed strategically? Do people get that? And then cultivating curiosity where you're going out and proactively inviting people into conversations and making it easy for them to share their ideas and then you know, responding well to those ideas, even if there are ideas that you can't. Well, there's so much here to unpack, Karen, just like always. And we're just so grateful that you took time out as a leadership expert to be right here on the Leadership Lowdown. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. found the Michigan Business Network, and we found Karen Hurt right here on the Leadership Lowdown. She's the CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. She's out of Maryland of the United States, and so we're so glad that she's with us today. And in her discussion, we talked a little bit in the first segment about managerial courage, and she briefly mentioned there's seven practical ways to be a bit more daring. I want to challenge you to pick up a pad and a pen and start taking some notes because this is some good stuff. Karen, tell me, what's some of the first steps that we should take in those practical ways to be a bit more daring? Yeah, you know, one is just simply asking a colleague for feedback. 
you know, and it's interesting how often people are reluctant to do that. Mm. And one of our favorite tools in our leadership development programs is to do what we call a do-it-yourself 360 or a listening tour. And you know, there's all kinds of really fancy 360-degree feedback, and we're big believers in those. But it also, you don't need something that fancy. And in fact, if you can just go out and say, okay, here's one area I'm working on improving. Maybe I'm trying to show up communicating more effectively. Maybe I'm trying to run meetings better. Maybe I wish I had more a leadership presence. Just find an area where you really want feedback. And then pick a couple of people who have diverse perspectives and have a voice-to-voice conversation. Don't send an email. Have a voice-to-voice conversation. Say, hey, you know what? I'm really working on my leadership. Here's one area I'd really like some feedback. What do you think? And if you can be really specific about this, it really helps. Rather than just saying, oh, what's anything I could do to become a better leader? That feels overwhelming to people. But if you say, what's one thing I could do to make our meetings more effective? I guarantee you everybody has an opinion on that. Karen, let me ask you this, Karen. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to make sure I understand. Tell me about selection. I think this is genius. I just love it. And so part of what we do is we ask people for feedback and we do a couple things. First, we jump in when they start the feedback. Instead of writing it down and being quiet, we start giving them instant reaction. So I want to get your thoughts on that. But before that, I want to know, who do we get to do this for us? Because I think somebody that knows us really well will give us the most honest feedback. Do you believe that or you think it ought to be maybe a little arm's length relationship? I really encourage people going through this to invite in diverse perspectives. So you know, you want to get somebody who knows you really well, but also people who maybe you've had some conflict with in the past or someone who you have just started working with. And to your point, it's exactly what we say. Don't respond immediately. Just let people know that you're collecting this data. Then look for the themes. So, and then you say, okay, I've talked to five people. You know what everyone is consistently saying? They think I should have a more organized approach to our meetings. Okay, if five people tell you that, that's probably something you need to work on. And then you can go back and respond and say, hey, thank you so much for talking to me about this. Here's what I've heard and here's what I'm going to do. And then you are responding back. So you're closing that feedback. Oh, it's a follow-up loop. I love that, Karen. That's outstanding. And the reason we are very deliberate about doing this in our programs, and we do it in our executive programs, and we do the same thing in our frontline leadership programs, it is now you're creating a habit of asking people for feedback. Whereas, you know, if you do a formal 360, you may only do that once every two years, but you can go out and ask people for feedback at any time. And, you know, it was interesting, the other day we had one executive team who they took this so seriously, and every executive on the team asked every other one, so they did way more than five. They asked oh, every yeah. single person. And you know, the CEO called me and he's like, Karen, this has changed the game oh. for us. <laughs> you know, because they were being honest with one yeah, another. Yeah, sure. If maybe for the first time, Karen, because I see all this plastic, you know, I call it the churchy, you know, and some people show up on church with their best clothes on and they're on their best kindest behavior and they get out in the parking lot and are cussing the people that are backing out or walking too slow in front of them. It's like, what just happened there, right? Yeah. So I yeah. love what you said is that maybe for the first time, they're actually hearing and talking about things that are taboo in any other relationship. Yeah. And because everybody's doing it, it makes it safer. 
Mm. Well, one other thing that I thought was really cool, you had some questions in the comments that I saw that could be used, and I won't read through all of them, but one I really like was, I want to make my contributions to our team. I want to take it up a level this year. What's one change that I could make that would make your job easier, maybe to a subordinate? So I love those kind of open-ended questions. They're non-threatening, right. and they're actually positive. I want to make things better and supercharge our team. What's the thing I could do that would really give you more help in that relation to be the best you can be this year? That's a pretty cool question. Your colleague's like not going to go, oh, why are you bothering me with this? Because really? <laughs> right. you're setting up in an intention. I want to be better. Can you help me? Yes, yes. People want to be helpful in that way. Well, you just said a mouthful. I'm setting up an intention. So a lot of times it's an intention versus an inquisition. You know, are we grilling them on questions or do they see our intent? And when you see that intent come out in those questions, I think it creates some pretty magical opportunities there. Wow, Karen, this is so good. And I think so much of an opportunity. You're calling it a do-it-yourself 360. And it's something every one of us should take a moment to think about and maybe apply to our own personal team and the people that we choose to lead, whether that's volunteers or business or wherever it's at. And wherever you're at, thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown with Karen Hurt. We'll be right back after these messages. Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. found the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network, and we found Karen Hurt, CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. We're so glad to have her with us, and she's taken us through a wonderful paper that she's written and concepts she's written that turns into a book, frankly. It's seven practical ways to be a bit more daring and in terms of finding your managerial courage. And Karen, the number two area is open up just a bit more. Tell us about what that means in your words. You know, there's a lot of research around this that in terms of the trust research is that people trust people that they know. And it's interesting as we work with leaders, particularly leaders early in their career, there is a tendency often to say, well, I want to learn about my team. I want to know about their kids. I want to know about their pets. And they ask all these questions, which is all important. You should know that about your team. And sometimes they get feedback, but I don't trust you. And why that is, is they're asking all these questions, but they're not sharing enough about themselves. And so, you know, showing up a bit human, and that doesn't mean, you know, your heart on your sleeve, sharing every emotion that you're feeling, but, you know, being honest and vulnerable about who you are, what you struggle with, to an appropriate extent can make a big, big difference. And sometimes that feels radically scary. Mm. And (laughs) yet... I can't tell you how many times I'll be doing executive coaching and someone will say, 
Yeah, you know, the problem with this guy is I just don't know him, so I don't trust him. Mm. And when you can just have that executive share a little bit, it makes all the difference. Well, let me ask you this, because the word vulnerable came to mind, Karen. And so I was thinking about, you know, years ago, I was a vice president, and I used to take employees to lunch in an opportunity when they were nominated for the employee of the month or whatever it was, we'd go to lunch. And so I never knew if that was something they were excited about, (laughs) because I didn't want them to be intimidated. And I didn't want to pretend like I'm some big deal to go to lunch with. But on the other hand, it was an opportunity for me to get to know them better. But what you said is that we start sharing with each other. And what I heard is being vulnerable as a leader. Are you saying that or did I put words in your mouth? Absolutely. A little bit vulnerable, right? Letting people see who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a pretty powerful message because all of a sudden, instead of the corporate suit that you are that walks down the hall with maybe a not of happy look on your face because you just came out of a tough meeting, you know, you have an opportunity to be seen in a little different light. It's like seeing somebody at a tailgate party at a football game versus somebody, you know, in the middle of their daily rigors in a leadership role. Well, so I love it about being just a little bit more open and about having people trust you because trust is such a powerful thing in any organization, right? Building trust. And are any quick principles on your thoughts on building trust? You know, it's been interesting because we have spent so much time over the last couple of years really digging into all the trust research and looking for commonalities. And there's really four elements. If you look across all of the trust research, and I mean, I'm simplifying this, but it falls mostly into four categories, which is, are you credible? Right? Like, do people think you know what you're doing? Mm -hmm. You know, do you have a level of expertise in some area? Are you reliable? Do you do what you say you're going to do? If you tell me we're going to have a one-on-one every Tuesday at 3 o'clock, and I wake up on Tuesday morning going, I wonder whether we're going to have it because half the time he cancels, that degrades trust. And then are we connected? Some of the trust research talks about this as intimacy, but this is that vulnerability. Do I see you as a human being? And then there's a whole element of the research on, do you have my best interest at heart? Because you can have all those other things, right? You can be smart. You can do what you say you're going to do. You can show up as a human being. But if I think that you care about your own agenda more than me or more than our team, game I'm on. not going to trust you. Yep, game you know? And so I think that's a lot of it. Well, I love what you talked about there. We used to talk about the five vitals in hiring, and it might be somebody that uh, if we're hiring a salesperson, you know, one of them was character, one of them was work ethic, one of them was are they motivated to succeed, you know, variety, and integrity was one of them. And our whole point was is that if they were missing any one of the five vitals, then the game was over. So the one vital example is Jesse James, the bank robber. You know, he had money motivation. He was out to be succeed. He had a lot of cunningness and smart guy character, a lot of different things, but he had no integrity. And so boom, all of a sudden it means that you can hire somebody with four of them, but you don't have them all. And in your place, in building trust, you've got to have all four to really make that trust work and be sound. Well, Karen, the next area you want to address in the next segment, give us the headlines of number three for us. Address a performance issue. Have the courage to do that. Well, and so and when we think about addressing a performance issue, one of the things we talk about, at least we used to talk about in our organization, was crucial conversations. And I think, is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. When people complain to me, you know, my boss is a wuss, right? Or my boss lacks courage. <laughs> yeah. or, you know, Generally, it's because they are letting slackers slide. 
right? So they're looking the other way and they're letting people get away with stuff and they're not holding them accountable. And so that is incredibly frustrating to particularly to your high performers. And they're going to leave your team because they want to work for a winning team. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So many times those high performers, you finally deal with somebody and uh, what happens is those high performers are going, what took you so long? And they saw it so much earlier than you did. And so I think that crucial conversation and and making sure that you address those performance issues are key. And of course, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in our next segment. But right now, we're going to take a commercial break real quick here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown with Karen Hurt. We're so glad you joined us. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. This is Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network, and we found Karen Hurt. She's a friend of the show and one that we are so grateful that she took time as CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. She has so many thoughts on profound leadership ideas and concepts, and we're going through what she has deemed as managerial courage, seven practical ways to be a bit more daring. And one of the last ones we've addressed was performance issues and talking about maybe making sure we say the right things. There's great evidence of that. And I guess uh, if you rank this in terms of what has to be done, if you want to build a great, courageous organization, this one's pretty high on the top of the list, isn't it? It absolutely is. And, you know, it takes courage to do that well and curiosity to do that well. We teach a methodology we call our INSPIRE method, which is all about showing up curious and having a dialogue as you're addressing the performance issue. So INSPIRE is an acronym, but it's I initiate the conversation, make that human connection, declare your intention. And then N is for notice. And here's where you're going to notice the behavior. You're going to say, okay, hey, I've noticed that you've been coming in late. S is support. Here's where you provide specific examples of what you've noticed. So, hey, I've noticed you've been coming in late to our meetings. For example, today you showed up at 930. The meeting started at 9. Now, the real magic of the model comes in the probe and the invite, the P and the I, which is where you're going to ask open-ended questions about the behavior that you're looking to change. What's going on? Why do you think this keeps happening? And really show up curious because the truth is you may not really know what's going Mm. on. And then invite them to come up with a solution because to the behavior you're looking to change because we all know, right, psychology 101, people, if they are the ones that determine what they're going to do next, they're way more likely to own it than if you tell them what to do. And then the E is for enforce, where you schedule a time that you're going to talk about the situation again. So, I mean, that's just a quick rundown of this methodology. It works incredibly well because you are now 
inviting people into a conversation, helping people to own their own performance, and then scheduling the finish and holding them accountable to the behavior change. Well, Karen, I just want to compliment you on what you're doing here because what a lot of people can do is point out the problems, but here you're giving very specific ways to deal with those issues. And when you're a busy manager, a lot of times you know what the problems are. You can see the problem, but you don't know how to address them. And Karen, that's what I love about your practical approaches to all of these scenarios. And so let's take on number four, if we could. What's that one? So this is my favorite, probably. <laughs> Share an idea, you know, and because this is really grounded in our recent Courageous Cultures research, which I mentioned in the first segment. But, you know, have the courage to speak up and say, hey, I have an idea about how we can make this process more efficient. I have an idea about how we can better serve our customers. I have an idea about how we can really deal with the mental health and well-being of our team if we just did this. And to have the courage to speak up, and we have a lot of tools on this, but and this is a lot of the work that we've been doing, particularly during the pandemic. But we have another acronym, the IDEA model, to help you position your ideas. So imagine that you go to your manager and you say, hey, I have an idea that I think is really going to make things better around here. Would you be interested in hearing that? Well, most managers are going to say yes, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you say, here's why I think this is, idea is interesting, meaning this is why I think this idea is going to help us with something important that we're trying to accomplish. You're tying it back to strategy or you're tying it back to one of your most important priorities. Then D, this is why this idea is doable. This is why I thought about this, and this is why I actually think we could pull this off right now. We could do this. And then E, engaging. Here's who else I think might be interested in this idea. I've already talked to finance. I've already talked to HR. I've already talked to my peers. They're on board. They would be willing to help make this happen. And then A, actions. What are a couple of recommended first next actions or first next steps? Now, if you go to your manager and you say, I have this idea, you run through this model and you say, it takes what, two minutes to do that. Even if they don't like your idea, you are coming across as A, somebody who cares deeply about the business, B, who is thinking critically about how to make things better, and C, who's articulate and is presenting things in a good way. You've got nothing to lose, so it shouldn't take real courage if you're presenting an idea like that. Well, Karen, what I love about what just happened there is your point about engagement. And if there's anything that I'm looking for as a leader in an organization is I want to see how engaged the employees are. Do they really care? Or they go, meh, it's just a job. And yeah. to me, if it's just a job, then I think life is way too short. Go find something that inspires you, that'll get you jumping out of bed, that will make your mind go into overtime, that will help you understand that your contributions and your place here on earth is all about filling space, not filling time. And I just think that one of the things that I think is important in this is your whole, I had a great example of somebody that worked for me dynamically engaged in the company and she was in the hallway one time talking about something the initiative the company was doing and one of the other managers that was talking to her with great contempt goes, how do you know all these things? And her simple answer was, I read that in the company newsletter. <laughs> Really? I mean, so it's two different levels of engagement. And I'll take that first one that might be overly active and everything else, but she's bringing her brain to work and doing some things that I think are extraordinary in terms of making a difference in the world. And I just love it. And Karen, man, 
Once again, you've given us some very practical ideas and concepts. I just can't be more grateful for your time. Can't be more grateful for you that are listening here on the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versero with the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back after we pay these bills. Managing your office supplies is key to a seamlessly functioning business. With over 90,000 items available for free next day delivery and no minimum order, DBI can solve all your office supply needs from pencils to coffee at the very best value. Call DBI and ask a sales representative to show you their product offerings or visit dbiyes.com and request a product catalog. DBI does all things office, office supplies, furniture, and environments. This is the Leadership Lowdown, and we have with us Karen Hurt, CEO of Let's Grow Leaders. And she's here on the Michigan Business Network with us, sharing all kinds of wonderful concepts and ideas. And in the last one, we talked about the whole notion of really being in a situation where she can share some ideas with management. I think that's kind of courageous, but most of what we're talking about is being courageous in terms of being at least brave enough to try to make a difference in your world. And number five on our list here is what, Karen? Experiment with a new approach. You know, one of the things that I think people often will do is they say, you know what, it's working okay, so why change it? Mm. And, you know, in our Courageous Cultures research, 67% of the employees said their manager operation operates around the notion of this is the way we've always done it, so we should just keep doing it that way. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot of courage to try something new, but it can make such a big difference for your customers, for your employees, for productivity to mix it up. And one of the things that I would really recommend on this is I think one of the reasons people hold back is like, well, I don't want to change everything. So just start with a small pilot. If you have a new approach, try it with one customer in one market and see how it can work. And so I would say that's the next one. And then I would say advocating for a team member. You know, is that courageous? You know, these are all small acts of courage. Uh-huh. But to really, right, but to stand up for someone. Well, and- tell me what that looks like in standing up, Karen, because I agree it is courageous. And, of course, part of what you want to do is stand up for the right reasons, right? It isn't just because they're your lunch buddy, but because you saw them doing something good. Am I on the right track here? Absolutely. I mean, We'll never forget this moment. And it was about 20 years ago, but I can picture the room. And we were in a meeting. It was in a call center environment. A lot of call center directors were sitting around the table. And an executive came in and was suggesting an approach that was going to derail employee engagement. And my friend, Dan, stops the meeting and he says, you know what, before we talk about this anymore. I know Karen has a very in-depth background in human resources. She was in HR for 10 years before she came over to this role. Karen, I'd really love for your perspective on this. And he knew exactly what I was going to say because we were friends, you know, but he like, here's the spotlight and gave it, and he could have shared his idea, right? He he could have shared the exact same thing, but instead he put the spotlight on me and said, this is why Karen is credible. And the executive stopped and said, wow, you're right. 
That you know, is so that, cool, Karen. What you just did is you completely took this in a different direction. I, I did not see that because your point about advocating in my mind was, hey, Karen's a great gal. She needs to. That's not what happened. He allowed Karen to shine and he gave some of his spotlight to you. And that is something really extraordinary when you think about how you want to advocate for others. Let them share some of the spotlight with your moment. Yes. Wow, that's really good. And then, you know, the last one is, you know, asking for help. And is that courageous? I think it is a little bit because so often you're really high performing people. It's coming back to vulnerability. I don't want to ask for help. So I'm just going to keep doing this. And it's not serving the business and it's not serving your team and it's not serving your customers because if you really need help you will be more efficient you bring in these other best practices and it really could make a huge difference but i think it's one of the things i know i learned this one the hard way well i don't want to look like i don't know what i'm doing and i was teaching a leadership program it was frontline leaders and it was a restoration company so you know basically if your basement gets flooded sure. they come in and you know clean it all up so i'm in this room and there's this guy and he's all of a sudden he's on his phone he's texting and his face literally you know they say your face turns green his face turned green <laughs> oh no and i said what let's just stop here rather than hey why are you on your phone i said you look really upset what's going on? And he said, well, my boss just texted me and said to please go to this address and look for water damage. And he said, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what the signs are. He was new. And I said, so what are you going to do? He's like, I'm just going to go fake it. I'll just go figure it out. (laughs) Right? Sounds like mold is about to grow. (laughs) And he is sitting in a room. So I stopped and I said, So who in this room knows how to deal with water damage? Every other hand went up in the room. (laughs) That's the problem of not asking for help. You're going to go and you're probably going to get it wrong when you've got this whole network of people who can help you. Yeah. Well, Karen, let me ask you about this because I would submit that potentially one of the reasons why he wasn't comfortable with asking the question is because his boss thinks you should know this by now or he's intimidated by that. So can you tell me about... Is there a way to ask that that would instill confidence in your leadership when you ask for help that might be, what comes to my mind is, hey, boss, can you tell me what are the top three things you look for when you go that are the most active signs in your mind? Yeah. And I would always start with, you know, I want to make sure I get this absolutely right. So I've got some thoughts on how to approach this. And then I would say the same thing you said. I'm curious, what were the main three that you're looking for, right? So you're still showing up. You're not saying, I have no idea how to do that. But you are grounding it again in your intention. My intention is I want to nail it. Man, there's just so much to feast on here today, Karen. So glad you're here. So glad you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Michigan, 
one precious segment here with our wonderful guest, Karen Hurt. She is a leadership expert, and I'm so grateful she spends time with us here on the Michigan Business Network. She is the CEO of Let's Grow Leaders, and she's growing all of us right now with some of the comments and ideas she has. But one of the things that we talked about in this little memo that her and I have been going through today is the whole notion of avoiding regrets of boldness. And what I was thinking about that is every once in a while I see somebody act in a great way, where they've taken on, not in a mean or inappropriate way, but they've taken on some issues and have really done something courageous. And then they come back a day later or maybe in the same moment and start apologizing all over themselves for what they did. And I think it just takes away that moment of greatness. But Karen, let me just turn that over to you. What are your thoughts when somebody backs out and gets into the spot where they go on, oh, I wonder if I should have said that? Yeah, yeah, I hear that all the time. In fact, I just had this conversation with someone last night around this. But, you know, it's owning your strengths. It's owning your ideas. And I think, you know, sometimes people don't even own it before. They'll do like a pre-apology before they say their important thing, right? Yeah, right. probably a dumb idea or I don't think this is going to be good, but... And then they say their brilliant idea, right? And that totally... You just said, don't listen to me. And then you say your thing. So I would start with don't do a pre-apology. Yeah, and then right. what you're talking about is that, yeah, and don't undermine it with something weak. So it's funny because when I first started this company, I would be afraid in sales conversations. So I would say, you know, somebody would call and say they'd like a keynote. And then I would say, okay, the fee is this. And then I'd be like, unless, of course, you don't have any money. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) What I actually had to do was put the phone on mute. (laughs) Like I would say, okay, the fee is this. And I would put the phone on mute. So I would stop myself from saying anything else. Oh, I thought for sure you were going to say I said it out loud with it on mute just so I could say it and hear myself say it and then go back. to. That's so funny, though. You know, but I think it's the same thing, right? Like there was, unless of course, right, you've hurt someone. I mean, there are times where you may have said the right thing and said it in a mean way, right? If there is damage control to be done, then of course, apologize. 1,000%. But if you have said something that needs to be said, or you have suggested an idea, let it land Mm -hmm. and just put the phone on mute and let it be and see how it fits. Or ask, what do you think about that? How is that, you know, invite them into a dialogue. Yeah. But don't now undersell or sell past the clothes, as they say. Yes. Well, it's so funny. For 15 years, I was in sales and I remember training newer salespeople and sometimes I would kick them under the table and they're like, what'd you kick me for? You know, and hopefully they'd say outside of the interview. But when it was all done, it's like, look, when it's sold, understand you need to quit talking. And so, and that's part of the whole process is whether we're selling ideas, concepts, or just our opinions, it's all a sales where somebody's emotionally buying into what you said. And so we're trying to figure out when is the right time for you to basically hang up and get ready to write down the order because something good just happened. And I just love what you're sharing. A little bit of that is confidence in yourself and being bold enough to understand, not cocky. There's a way big difference between that and people that are bold enough to understand that I'm making a difference here because I believe it and I'm passionate about it. Well, Karen, man, you've made a difference here today for sure. Thanks so much. But before I move on, I know that you've got books and different things that people are going, wow, this Karen lady is really impressive. How do I get a hold of her information, her books, her stuff? Tell us all about that. Okay, so our website is Let's Grow Leaders. 
And we have a blog. David, my husband and partner, has a podcast called Leadership Without Losing Your Soul. I run a show called Asking for a Friend. You can get to any of that through our website, Let's Grow Leaders. Our latest book is called Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And it's filled with very practical ways to help your team speak up and share their ideas and to help you with these small acts of courage. Well, Karen, talk about a life of purpose and doing some great things. I know a little bit about your background and such, but you know what you've given up to do what you're doing now is most impressive because I think the path you've chosen is a path that says, wait a minute, we can help people. And so many of us, if we're in a small management, leadership, volunteer, whatever it is, every one of us are called to lead from time to time. And what you're doing here is giving us some recipes, but it's not only the recipes, it's the actual show me how and some of the practical applications. That's the kind of stuff that I watch what you're doing and just so grateful for it. Karen, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate you. Oh, it's been absolutely my pleasure. Always fun to talk with you. Well, Karen Hurt, CEO of Let's Grow Leaders, com. Go find her because she's got a lot to offer. And we're so grateful she's a friend of this show. So grateful that you're a friend of this show here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. Can't wait to talk to you next time.